Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. Hello, everybody. This is Russ K5TUX welcoming you, our dear listener, to episode number 122 of Linux in the Ham Shack, recorded live to tape today, Tuesday, January 21st, 2014. And we welcome in the co host with the most from just outside Montreal, Canada, or Canada, as I hear everybody say it these days. Pete, <laughs> VE2XPL. How are you doing tonight, Pete? Canada. I haven't heard that, but I don't hang around with the people you hang around with, so that's all right. Uh, I'm doing all right. Thanks. Uh, glad to be here once again. Pete, VE2XPL, as you just heard. And uh, it's in a cold, cold, cold Montreal. Uh, minus four Fahrenheit, minus 20 Celsius. Into a low of minus eleven, so uh, it's chilly. I know it's colder in other places. I'm not complaining because it's not windy. So uh, other than that, it's wonderful. I'm doing the show in my footy pajamas tonight. Yes, I'm wearing my one piece. I feel like a baby, <laughs> and you look like one too. No, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> All right, and with us also is Cheryl. How are you? I am fine. Not not quite as cold as Pete, but cold. And, you know, it, it's only going to get worse before it gets better out here. Oh, is it? It's, it's really cold down here. I wish it would warm up so I could, like, sit outside. But Oh, come on, you prophets of doom. Only six more <laughs> weeks and we'll be basking in the sun. The thing is, it's like, it's like 20 degrees around here. Like, I'm averaging Cheryl's temperature and my temperature. And it's supposed to be in the mid-40s, like, on average. And, and this, this crap we're getting from Canada needs to stop. It's crazy. It's coming from further up in the Arctic where we have no claim. Yeah, well, guess what? But, um, no, 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 no. You know it's north of Canada, right? Canada. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it is your fault. Fine. It's supposed to be a whopping 10 degrees here on it's, Thursday. What's so. crazy, though, it's just it's not the cold. I don't really mind the cold. It's just that one week it's warm, everything's melting, and the next week it's cold, and everything's just everything's just hard as a rock here. It's crazy. Like, my kid was snowboarding on the weekend for the first time. We had it all helmeted and padded, and she managed not to kill herself, but, you know, because she really wanted to get out there. So I went out and, and kind of picked at the, uh, the ice for a while to try to make some snow. But it's just it's the up and down is driving me nuts. Yeah, because it was out here as well. Yeah, it was like sixty-five degrees yesterday. This is insanity. So, but uh, yeah, what can you do? Soon it'll just be you know a good story. It'll just be sitting around the fire going, "Remember that winter? There was up and down. Ah, good times." Yeah. Well, I guess we're going to we... be saying that in six months when it's a hundred degrees outside. Yeah. We're like, I'm back in the winter. <laughs> I wish it was January. God. Well, if, if I, if I, if sometime around August, some, you know, I complain about it being hot, someone can bitch slap me. I, I mean, go ahead. <laughs> uh, I, I welcome it at this point. So anyway, we should probably warn the cockles of our listeners' hearts with some news, uh, for the first segment. And the first thing I had was that. A new version of CQR log has been released. This is a, an application that, that we have talked about on the show several times, a logging app that a lot of the folks that write to us about, you know, various topics really like. Um, several people have said it's one of the best logging applications out there for ham radio, and it's a Linux only app. 
two people have talked about it. Uh, Tom from the Google Plus community we have over on Google Plus, duh. Uh, he wrote to us and said, CQR log 1.7.0 has been released. This version has one feature requested by many users. Online log uploading. Uh, it supports HamQTH, Clublog, and HRDlog.net, which I didn't even know existed. Have you guys ever heard of HRDlog.net? No, I had not, actually. When I saw it in your post, I was surprised. One of these days, we should probably look at that. Um, although, having the acronym HRD suggests that we don't give a crap, but it well, might we be... We give a crap. We don't have to use it, though. No, that's true. I, I guess we should put it out there for those who might be interested in something like that. But anyway... Tom continues, I've been using HamQTH upload for a week or two, and it works very well. How to enable and set online log upload is described in updated or described in updated help files. There are also a few more new features and lots of bug fixes. More in the download section. This version solved problem with building packages for Debian Unstable, Ubuntu 13.10, and Ubuntu 14.04. Uh, So that's good news for those people who are using those particular distributions. We also got a message from Peter, OK2CQR, who is the author of CQR Log, letting us know that he had, in fact, updated CQR Log and released a new version. His message said, Hi, Russ. Two days ago, I released a new version of CQR Log. It may be interested for your listeners. 7-3 Peter, OK2CQR. And he sent us a link to the update information, which is at cqrlog.com stroke node stroke 1085. And of course, that will be in the show notes. So for users of CQR log, or if you're looking for a great Linux-based CQR, or not CQR, but logging application, we here at Linux in the Hamshack highly recommend CQR log. Uh, definitely one of the best ones I've used. Uh, and it is native Linux app. And as far as I know, it is not imported to any other platform. So in order to use it, you must be using Linux. Pretty cool. And they're uh, quite active, too. They, uh, you know, they, they often have bug fixes and they have regular releases. And they seem to upkeep it quite well. Very much so. Peter is uh, actively developing it. And I don't know what kind of a staff he keeps. But it is uh, clearly being worked on regularly. Since we sort of have a direct line into Peter, because he always lets us know when something's going on, and in fact, I have him on tap for an interview at some time, whenever we can make that happen, because he's like at GMT plus one or GMT plus two, which makes interviewing him a little awkward, because it's either going to be late for us and really early for him, or vice versa. So uh, That's the price of fame, though. Yes. So it hasn't happened yet, but it will. It will happen. Excellent. Very good. Now, on the um, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to no, say. No, go ahead. I'm, no, uh, it's you. Please, <laughs> no, go you, ahead. No, you. No, you. no please. Uh, HRDlog.net, I just went on their website, and it's an independent online logbook, and it's free for all amateur radio operators. It was launched in December 2008 as part of HRD, uh, but it's now its own thing. So, so those of you who feel like checking it out, you can check it out too, but CQR Log is better. Even though I haven't checked hrdlog.net. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we should probably put hrdlog down to check out for a future episode. I think that's only fair. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I think we should do that. It'll give me a chance to actually log. I, I still log on paper. I'm still like so old school. I'm, it's, it's, it's hopeless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't really log at all. 
Yeah, some people, yeah, that's, some, that, that's another way to do it. <laughs> no, I, I do log when I when I actually care about the contacts. If I'm on HF, I definitely log, but that's pretty much it. So. Oh yeah, yeah, no, I I log most of my HF contacts unless I'm I'm in the truck. Sometimes I don't. VHF, I stopped logging years ago because it just gets out of hand. Yep, absolutely. Especially if you're on a directed net or something. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> no, even just you know checking you know. Just, some people are quite active uh, on, on the local repeater. There's always something going on every day. You know, you're on your drive to work. You talk to five or six people. You know, you it just I don't know. I don't know if some people do it. Maybe the newbies did, like when I was new, but that lost uh, lost its interest fast. Yeah. Anyhow, I digress. As usual. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Again. So check out this segue from one logging application that has a recent update to one that is no longer going to be updated we move to yfk test a contest logger written by fabian kurtz delta juliet one yankee foxtrot kilo dj1 yfk hence the name yfk test this was brought to my attention earlier today by harrison who pointed out that there was an announcement on the website for yfk test that fabian has thrown in the towel he says, I still get some mail now and then about YFK test. Since I think it is impossible to advance the current code base to anything usable, useful and maintainable, I officially declare the project dead. I'd be happy if anyone comes up with a fork to which I'd gladly link. So for those people who care about active development in their software applications, you may want to choose a different contest logger than YFK test. But of course, just because... <laughs> Just because, you know, development has stopped doesn't mean that the program stops working. So certainly whatever, you know, install you have currently will continue to function as necessary. And if someone picks up the mantle and starts developing a fork of YFK test, then it may proceed. But Fabian has said he's no longer going to develop it. Apparently interest in the application has waned significantly. And uh, that will be all for YFK test unless we hear otherwise. Well, I mean... By his own admission, this thing must suck. He writes, you know, he writes, since I think it is impossible to advance the current code base to anything useful and maintainable. So you want to advance it to something useful and maintainable, which means right now it's useless and not maintainable. Why would you use it anyways? Well, that's true. And in my actual, (laughs) my experimentation with YFK test, I was not able to get it to work in any useful way. Um, Maybe you just can't program. What's wrong with you, Fabian? Well, apparently YFK log is a fairly decent logger, but YFK test, the, you know, the contest logging branch of YFK log just didn't go anywhere. And I, it's probably because he just didn't have the time to devote to it would be my guess. Yeah, but Most likely. Con- contest softwares are a little more, bit more touchy too, because you always have to be, you always have to be updating them because there's always a new contest or the rules have changed or, you know, I mean, that, all the time, but still, there's always updates to be. Maybe that's part of it too. Yeah, maybe so. But I'm not uh, a contester, so I'm not sure. Nor am I. I'm not a contester on here is Harrison a contester? I don't know that Harrison contester is a Harrison. contester like extraordinaire, but I know he does participate in contests like both field days and so on and so forth. And I know well, a lot of our field day is not a contest. Contest. It's well, it's a, a, it's a contest of sorts. It is. It is a contest, but I see it more as an emergency communications exercise as compared to all the other contests that you see throughout the year, which are actual contests. Well, I don't know. But I mean, when you, when you operate, when you, when you create a, an environment whereby people are encouraged to operate, isn't that always preparedness for yes, emergency I'm, communications? I'm, in a way, see, there's a difference between field day, which, you know, if you do it, 
the traditional way. You go outside in emergency power and tents and blah, 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 antennas in the trees as compared to I'm sitting in my nice comfortable shack. It's minus 20 outside, but I'm sipping brandy with my HF radio right here having a contest. Like They're both contests. I'm not arguing that fact. It's just one is more of a, an exercise in, in emergency preparedness in case of, I don't know, I'm not sure how to say it, in case of an emergency where you can't operate in the shack, I guess. I don't know. Everybody is encouraged to operate. And whether you're doing it on commercial power or remotely, I think most hams would be able to figure out how to hook up their radio to a battery if it were absolutely necessary. Yeah. So, well, see, that's what I mean. It's. I think it encourages good it's operating just, practice one way or the other. It does. It's just not ham uh, field day. It's just not like all the other contests. No, that's true. Yeah. And it is, in, it is definitely participated in by that's far true. more of the, uh, the ham population than any other. That's why I was. That's what I was trying to say in a very long roundabout way. <laughs> well, I'm you, glad we brought it, it back. In one to the sentence. Point. You could. You could just erase the rest. Right? <laughs> okay. Good. So the last <laughs> ten minutes, no one heard. Uh, <laughs> it's one sentence. But that's okay because Pete is going to talk about all these damn Linux distributions that are <laughs> that are proliferating on the interwebs. I know it's like a bad virus. No, this um, is actually a nice follow-up to a last week or, or a last episode, episode one twenty-one, which is entitled "Freudian Linux." By the way, check it out on our website. But uh, we were, you know, we we introduced a little bit of philosophy into uh, Linux, so I thought this was kind of a neat uh, follow-up. I read an article uh, this week on one of the blogs. It's uh, ittoolbox.com. Uh, and it was called What's With All These Linux Distributions? And I thought it was kind of a curious title at first. And, you know, this being kind of an open source uh, pro blog, I kind of thought that the title didn't really fit, but I uh, checked it out anyway, started to read it. And uh, the main lines kind of basically goes like this. Uh, it starts out by saying, doesn't it seem a bit ridiculous that there's so many Linux distributions? Let me just uh, call up the article right here so I can uh, seem like I know what I'm talking about. Um, but he said he was reading an article about uh, different Linux distributions. And, you know, we, we talk about it here once in a while, and, and a lot of the other Linux shows have DistroWatch and, and, and talk about how many distributions are, are released and how many distributions are released of distributions that already exist and yada, yada, anyways. So he's talking about 10 Linux distributions um, specifically, and I won't get into them. Uh, but he's talking about people who are trying to get into Linux. So he says, well, we have our 10x... Um, going back to the Etherpad. This is not good. All right, so he says, so what happens? This uh, poor guy wants to uh, get away from Windows because his Windows box keeps crashing or he doesn't want to you know, pay an outrageous amount for the license or for whatever reason, he wants to move to open source, which is great. So what does he do? He goes and talks to you know, whatever Linux guy he can find. Everybody he talks to gives him a different answer. Why? Because we all have our, our favorite distributions and, and operating systems for whatever reason we have them talks to more people and he gets more answers and he just starts to get more and more confused and you know and then and then one of the sentences goes and then somebody suggests a website called DistroWatch where you could choose and it's just your own Linux distribution to suit him and this is where out of his confusion Joe rapidly goes to DistroWatch and has one of those what the badger moments and uh, so basically he kind of goes on about how many Linux distributions there are and if you're just trying to get into Linux well it could be very disconcerting because where do you start, where do you go, who do you listen to? Uh, some are more user-friendly than others, so if I'm 
somewhat at ease and, and you're new and I suggest something that's really not suitable for you because, you know, it's a little bit above your level, then then you're going to get even more frustrated. So in the end, he kind of says, well, what do you think? Are there too many Linux distributions in the context of a new guy trying to get in? So it was a, he doesn't come to any conclusions. It's just one of those, you know, what do you think kind of, kind of blogs. And uh, it was too new and there was no answers yet. So I just thought I'd throw that in there. I thought it was interesting. Uh, it, have I lost you? No, you haven't lost me. It is interesting, but unfortunately I didn't really get a chance to take a look at the article. So I'm, there's been I've heard a lot of people debate whether there's just too you know too many Linux distributions or whether there's too much choice as opposed to you know a small subset of things that are a reasonable set of items to pick from and I'm not sure which side of the fence I'm really on on that. I never thought of it because at first I'm thinking when I read the title I was thinking well of course there aren't any. I mean, that's the beauty of Linux and open source is that everybody can do what they want with the system. If you don't like it, you can tweak it and, and make it what you want and make your own distribution. And so basically, if you want, you will find something that totally suits you. But the point that he brings up, which I ne- never even dawned on me. I mean, I'm a techie. I'm used to playing with this stuff and, and it doesn't really phase me. But if you're just somebody who's a user who just wants to check his emails and do a few things, watch whatever, you know, YouTube, uh, and, and you're not a, a techie type, it could be a little bit more intimidating. And so which one do you choose? It never even dawned on me that, you know, for somebody who's not as, as at ease with it, it can be a little bit uh, confusing. So who do you listen to? That's true, and I think one of the things we've been trying to overcome in this particular community that we live in for several years now is the intimidation factor, whether it's just because it seems too techy or there's too much choice or whatever the problem may be. It is an interesting point to raise. I'm just not sure that it isn't something that's overcomable. There's there's probably a better way to say that, but anyway, <laughs> it is uh, overcomable, but it depends on who you are. Like I said, if if you know Windows, what people do is they stick the CD in and and it does everything for you. And some people need that. Not everyone's. Although for the most part, people who are attracted to Linux are the more kind of you know adventurous kind of people who want to try and and learn. And but but there's a few who just want to check their emails. That's very true. And for those people who have a hundred bucks, there's Windows. A so hundred bucks? Is that all it costs in the States? I, I think so. I think it's, it's like three well, four hundred here, I think. Well, upgrade price. I don't know. Yeah, no, I'm talking full license if you're brand new. Right. Well, now that macOS has given their stuff away, I think uh, Microsoft ah, is yes. re- reacting in kind. That was one of my stories for last episode that I never got to talk about, actually. Oh, well, we can't talk about it now because we're out of time. That's okay. I ripped up the show notes anyway. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about it in a future episode, I'm sure. Symbola uh, in the chat room uh, mentions, or his opinion is, I think there's a lot of wasted and duplicated effort with Linux. And that's a good point, too. So if somebody you know changes one thing, you don't like the button on the left, so you put it on the right and you turn it into your own distro, uh, you have a lot of distributions that are actually quite similar. And you can find that in the ham radio world. Uh, and ham radio distributions, although there's not that many of them. Some of them do resemble others. No, that's very true, and I agree with that. I'm just not sure it's a problem, because if you if you find a site, if you use Google to its advantage, to your advantage, rather, you can pick out the major distributions, and you can kind of separate the wheat from the chaff, as it were, and not really worry about the 7,700 derivatives of whatever the major distribution is and just pick the one that's most popular. 
And of course, your friends will know. Everybody has a friend that is into this kind of thing and will make a suggestion so that you can always try for that. Most people seem to start with Ubuntu anyways or Ubuntu. In case Richard's listening. So, Jay Lindsay, I like several distros. None of them I would recommend to a new user. So, uh, obviously, a more advanced user, and and that's okay. But but you could always, you know of distributions that you would recommend to new guys, such as as Ubuntu or Mint. I always always recommend Mint to people who don't know what they're doing. It's, It's just very easy, and you can get up and running in minutes, and it does what you want it to do. Yeah, absolutely. And I would do the same thing. And that reminds me that there was a Google message that I got. I think it was Google or maybe Twitter or no, no, no. I'm pretty sure it was on Google from Scott N8VSI who agreed with my assessment of the Fedora 20 installer and Fedora 20 in general uh, and said it was really awesome, just like I did. And unfortunately, I'm not sure why I didn't get that or why it didn't show up in my list of things to talk about tonight. So since I just remembered it, I talked about it now. So thanks, Scott, for your uh, for your comment. Very so good. I can drag this first segment out like seven minutes longer than it actually needs to be. But with that, I think we're ready to move on to our first bit of music. And since I really hated your other piece that you <laughs> you suggested, I, I let you keep different. this one. Yeah, uh, I don't know. It just didn't strike me as anything I really wanted to listen to more than half of the song of but i left this one in so go ahead and talk about it and we'll hit our first break this is a band that i came across quite by accident uh, called b shake uh the uh, album is called our future begins here i found this on uh, gemendo of course it's in the rock alternative uh uh category it's a band from uh brussels in belgium it goes for 357 three minutes and 57 seconds and the song is called wasi so uh, have a listen and uh, we'll chat about it after
Yeah, that one blew my hair back too, just like last week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good stuff. I like that. Very grungy, kind of pearl jammy. I was going to say that's exactly what I got. That's even flow all the way. I didn't get their inspiration from that. I don't know where they got it. Yeah, but clearly they, pretty good. they definitely like the Seattle grunge scene, wherever they're from. Would you say Brussels? Oh, no, yep. no, that was, oh, it was Brussels. Okay. Yeah, Brussels in Belgium. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, it's from 2006. So, no, the uh, other Brussels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brussels, Georgia. Right. <laughs> Welcome to segment two. Segment two. Let's talk about one of your things before we talk about my thing. All right. We'll move from uh, ham, from, from uh, Linux to ham radio for a few minutes in that case. Although, no, that's not true. We had a couple of ham radio-related stories. Scratch that. Back up. We do both um, of those, remember. This is kind of like, this is the premier show for Linux and ham radio on the internet. That's the top 40 stuff just, you know, <laughs> disconcerted me at the beginning and now I'm all messed up. <laughs> top 40 radio intruders. Now, um, this story I thought was kind of interesting. For those of you who remember the days of the Russian woodpecker, uh, new story in the uh, December 2013 issue of the IARU Region 1 Monitoring System electronic newsletter, which I'm sure everybody reads, uh, reports a new uh, Russian over-the-horizon radar signal is being heard loud and clear on the 20-meter band. So I thought I would uh, mention that uh, 14.305, it's a, uh, excuse me, it's, uh, let's see, International Radio Union's Region 1 Monitoring Service Coordinator Wolfgang Hadel, DK2OHM, that spells OM for those of you who didn't get that. He says that the latest over-the-horizon radar signal is about 10 kilohertz wide and uh, recorded on 14.305, so... uh, says it kind of sounded a lot. It kind of sounds a lot like the infamous Russian woodpecker system of uh, days gone by. So the uh, Russian woodpecker, for those who didn't know, it was a Soviet uh, station or Soviet uh, over-the-horizon radar that could be heard some, somewhere between, I think it was 76 and the 90s, like during the Cold War, when the Russians were trying to uh, figure out everything that was going on about everybody else so uh, anyways check it out 14305 if you guys uh, can hear it uh, let us know that'd be interesting now it's the NSA yeah maybe (laughs) well they're the ones trying to figure out everything about everyone that's going on uh-huh. I'm going, I'm going, I'm going to 14305. Well, wow, listen happens. to that. He's actually, he's tuning his radio right now. I can hear the white noise in the background. This, yeah, this is authentic true. ham radio stuff right now. We have somebody working a rig on the and, air. And uh, there's no woodpecker. No woodpecker, huh? <laughs> nope. Uh, I can't hear it. Some, somebody buried their pecker. Russia, somebody buried the pecker. Hey. <laughs> Live HF Radio. That's a first for me on Linux in the Ham Shack. All right. Well, bef- I guess we'll just hit your two real quick and get them out of the way. So we'll talk about China, and then we'll talk about a new distribution. Well, a, a, a reissue of a distribution. Yeah, cool. Um, China, everybody's heard of them. Uh, they're building their own phone. <laughs> What's China? I've never heard of China. <laughs> they're about to take you guys. Don't, don't they own you guys now? No, uh, but we like buy all their radios. That's, I mean, that's like the United States. 95% of all handy talkies sold in the world now probably come from there. 
Yeah, I have like four in the house, actually. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, that being said, yeah, they're they're trying to uh, they're not trying. They're building their own phone operating system, and they're uh, aiming to be more secure than the Android or iPhone uh, market. So I uh, thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, they claim it's their own OS, uh, but it's a very very uh, strongly based on Android uh, on Android developments. They say so. Uh, they the article was reading that while Windows is a predominant desktop. OS in China, uh, Android commands about 90% of the uh, smartphone market, so they want to tap into that. Uh, the uh, system uh, runs on what is likely an HTC uh, Butterfly uh, S phone that normally runs Android. The uh, Chinese officials were saying that it's completely developed by uh, China and that it's unique, but the uh, New York Times reported that, uh, that the company that's making it is called the COS, China Operating Systems. The Times said that it should be called Copy Other Systems. So uh, they're not available commercially yet, uh, but they're being uh, tested on devices. But I was looking at the article and uh, you know they have some, uh, some screenshots and it looks, it looks pretty familiar. I don't, I don't think you would uh, be too lost using uh, one of these phones. So um, they, of course, it's not open source because uh, they want to keep it secure. So basically, what everybody's saying is that they're, you know, taking the open source system and making it a closed source thing for their benefit. So uh, boo China. <laughs> the thing of it is, there's a guy at work that I know who has had a Chinese knockoff of an iPhone three for ages and ages and ages. And if you saw it, you would think, oh, look, he's got an iPhone 3. And then when you use it, it is like the worst piece of Badger. ever produced. <laughs> and the thing of it is, I've seen other shows. Like, I watch Top Gear. Are you familiar with that? It's a British yep. car show. Right. Well, for those people who are familiar with the British car show Top Gear, and for those who aren't, they did a show where they talked about some of the cars that are pre being produced in China these days. And some of them are like exact replicas of other cars. Like they had one that was called some goofy ass thing, like the Ching Dao T four seven six one eight A Y, which was like a BMW X five. Like it was the exact same thing. Like if you put one on the street next to the other one, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. And then when BMW went to a Chinese court to sue the Chinese manufacturing for a copyright violation, they said, nope, doesn't look anything like it. <laughs> <laughs> and we can do that because we're China. But exactly. And I think that same kind of thing is, is going on here. It's just unbelievable what China is getting away with, I guess. But well, you know, they, it's, it's, they're cashing into capitalism. You can't blame them. No, and I there's mean, they're, they're stealing it, but I mean that's business. I mean, how how long has industrial espionage been around for? It's it's always happened. It's just that you know they're just saying, what are you going to do about it? Yeah, exactly. And there's four times more of them than there are of us. So I mean, <laughs> and it's a bigger country, and their economy is just rocking right now. I mean, that's right. You know, and unfortunately, and somehow they've become able to breathe smog. Have you ever seen? like pictures of like just the average street scene in Beijing. It's like, you can't see anything because 30, you know, your limit, your visibility is limited to 35 feet because of the industrial waste and smog that, you know, constitutes 90% of their air. No, I know it's, um, I mean, the population is what, uh, let's see, 11.51 million. So that's a little bit bigger than Montreal by about 11.51 times. And you know, it's, Big cities are like that, but most of China is very nice and clean. Yeah, that's that's true. When when you get into the industrial centers, though, they don't have the same 
quality standards necessarily that other parts no, of the no, world no, do. No. So I'm not condoning what they do. I mean, you know, the work conditions are probably horrible, and children are making toys for other children. It's just like, you know, you know the old joke. You know, toys made for children and by children. It's it's a horrible one. But, anyways, yeah, uh, yeah, no, nope, not a good thing. But uh, they're making money. That's all that counts. It seems. Well, I don't know. Apparently, when uh, phone operating system T1, you know, Dao, Dao Ming Sai <laughs> X1 comes out, <laughs> which is exactly like Android, only not the same. <laughs> we'll see how it works, I guess. I don't know. I'm sure, I'm sure there'll be $5 handsets being sold very soon. <laughs> Oh, most likely. And they, the article is saying that they can run, you know, everything, YouTube, uh, can play Angry Birds, that everything that you could do on any other phone, you know, supports Java, HTML5. Uh, it's got 100,000 applications overall. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, they were all written in the last two weeks. <laughs> uh, so I got an email from, I'm not sure where I got the email from actually, but it was an email indicating that Shackbox, a distribution that we talked about in which Richard decided to pan decidedly several episodes back uh, because of the model that Herve came out with as far as having to pay for Shackbox, but apparently this new version, which is a long time coming, has just been released. It's version 3.7 of Shackbox. It's based on Ubuntu 12.04, which, if I remember correctly, is Ubuntu's last LTS uh, until 14.04 comes out. And I gave it a quick shot just before the show. I, I downloaded the ISO. Apparently, it's free to get right now. It's indicated on the website that it is very, very beta. And to be honest, I can't remember what the earlier version of Shackbox was based on. Was it also Ubuntu? Do you remember, Pete? I don't know, because I used Shackbox very, very early when I was that confused guy trying to find a distribution. I remember liking it, though, but I couldn't tell you. Let me, let me look that up while you continue your spiel. Okay, well... As I spiel on, which is funny because I just watched Django Unchanged tonight, or Changed last night. And if you are familiar with the actor Christoph Waltz, anytime he opens his mouth, you want to speak German because he is like the most charismatic German person who ever lived. Maybe that's a good movie. It well, I, I didn't particularly like it, but I love Christoph Waltz. Anyway, what was I talking about? Shackbox, yeah, Shackbox, yes. <laughs> Shackbox. So 3.7 came out, and I downloaded it, tried it, installed it in a virtual machine. As far as I can tell, it's 32-bit. You know, I didn't even bother to check. If it, I still have it running, so maybe I should go like into my <laughs> and see if it actually is a 32-bit operating system. I have it running as if it was. Um, Probably it would be both, I would think. Uh, it says Everything it's both. Is 32 or 64. Well, right. At the same time, of course. But Well, if it's 64, then it's not necessarily compatible with 32-bit systems. You have to install No, no I understand that. But I'm most most distributions now come in a 32 or a 64 bit version. Yes, that's very true. But I didn't see anything on the web. It says on the website that it is 32 bit and 64 bit. But honestly, I don't know which one I have because there's oh. only one download. Um, let's see. What well, is the kernel? They're say? not the same download. Normally, they're two different ISOs. Right, right. But the download that I have is a 32 bit ISO. It is definitely a 32 bit ISO because it uses a PAE kernel. Um, so it is the 32 bit version. I'm not mm -hmm. sure if I even saw a 64 bit download, but anyway, um, one. 
the oh, yeah, download support 32 64 bit right support 64 bit and is 64 bit kind of different so uh, yeah so that's basically just the 32 bit system that you're putting on your 64 bit machine that'll run it anyways well exactly so but of course i'm running it in a vm so it's kind of irrelevant but anyway the iso that i downloaded is clearly 32 bit but it uses a pae kernel so it can support more than three gigs of ram it is built as a live iso so that you can just run it from uh, DVD, thumb drive, whatever. One thing I will say is that the download is absolutely freaking huge. It's 3.7 gigabytes. This is one of the biggest install ISOs. It's not even, well, okay, here's the thing about the install ISO. It says it's an install ISO. When you boot it up and you get the grub menu, the first option is, of course, to boot into Shackbox. The third option is to run the installer directly. As far as I can tell, whichever one of those you pick, you just get the live ISO. You're not able to actually install the distribution. I don't know if that's a bug or if he just doesn't realize that's what's going on. But when I tried to install Shackbox, I could not actually do it. There is no link to an installer or anything like that. So I had to run it as if it were a live ISO, which when you're running it from an ISO image works just fine. How this runs from a thumb drive or a DVD image, I'm not sure. It it runs great as a virtual machine. It has, as far as I can tell, every imaginable piece of ham radio software installed like by that's default. That's what I remember about it. It had everything on it and that's what made it such a, a heavy distribution. Right. And that's why it's a 3.7 gig download because basically every piece of ham radio software is installed on this thing by default, including stuff that isn't Linux based. Ham radio deluxe 5.24, I believe is the version that's installed, is installed by default and operational, like straight out of the box. If if you want to run HRD and I would say that I know about one in 10 of the applications that are installed on this thing for, you know, it's like all the, all the applications, you know, are on there like FL Digi, CQR log, QSS TV and stuff like that. But for example, if I go to like the ham radio section and I go into antenna design, Okay, we're talking <laughs> antenna design, which I think in the 122 episodes of this program, we have talked about one antenna modeling application. If you go into the antenna design subfolder of ham radio in the menu system of Shackbox, there aren't three applications or seven applications or 12 applications. There are 15 folders of applications. <laughs> <laughs> for doing antenna modeling <laughs> everyone but see that's the thing can't you choose which ones you're going to install because at some point you don't need all that no like, that's exactly why have such a heavy distro see I, i'm remembering it now more and more it's like i remember it having all that stuff in there so the point of fact is if you want to do an install where you can pick and choose what applications you want of all of the things that are available, you can't do it. Because like I just said, if you select the install menu from Grub, it doesn't allow you to actually do, run the installer. It still goes into the live boot mode. Um, and all you get is take the... Them out one by one. One thing I will say is that it, in the documentation it says, if you do this, remember that the keyboard layout is set by default to French which in early versions of Shackbox you had to fix manually, but now switching keyboard layouts is actually in the taskbar. So it's a simple point and click, and you've changed your thing. 
So that that's I'm better. Explain that it's it's French by default because the developer is from it France. Is also French, right? His call sign is F zero F A K, and and he his is, name is Simon, eh? If I recall, what's that? I think his name is Simon. I can't remember Simon something. If I recall, no, his name is Herve. Herve, Herve? yeah, Herve H E R V E. It's in oh, the Herve. Yeah, Herve. It's it's in the. Thing didn't I put it in the thing? No, I didn't. Guess what? I didn't. I'm not looking at the show notes. I'm no, not it wasn't one. in the show notes anyway because I'm looking at the website, or I was looking at the website before I decided. Hervé Pellerin. That's it. That, yeah, that's it. F zero F A K. Fofac. <laughs> Careful. <laughs> that's what it spells. I know. Is it Fofac? Yep. We'll just call him Fofac. Right. So anyway, yes. Uh, the number of programs installed on this thing are just ludicrous. And as far as I can tell, the installer is broken. It doesn't work. I mean, the installer probably works fine. You just can't get to it. Yes, it's beta. It is free. I believe it is free as in beer and as in freedom. It is buggy, but it is a new version, which means that there is active development of Shackbox, which means there is hope for the future of Shackbox. And if development continues and things get worked out and bugs get fixed... And it continues to remain free, both as in freedom and as in beer. Then it is something that we will continue to look at here on Linux and the Hamshack, and something that you know folks here should follow because it does offer something, especially for you know folks who just want to throw a DVD into a computer and not necessarily have a dedicated Shack PC. This is something you could use for sure because uh, it will fit onto a single DVD, and you could do that. Uh, but it would be nice if the installer actually worked. And it would be nice if you could sort of whittle down the applications that it installs by default, because right now the the number the sheer number of applications is is simply ludicrous. Ted in the chat room says that uh, he says, "Can I install it permanently?" Uh, he says, uh, "Yes, when the DVD boot type install instead of live, or use the shortcut install." Is that what you tried? That is what I tried. It did not work. It went okay. straight into the standard live desktop and did not give me any option to install or any way to install that I could see. Maybe that's part of the whole beta thing. I'm sure it probably is. <laughs> so this is probably feedback we need to give to her, but it does give me hope that Shackbox has a future because we haven't heard anything out of this distribution for at least a year or more. I'm, I'm glad to see that something is happening with it and it's something we can talk about in the future. But for right now, I would definitely, if you want to try it, go for it, you know, throw it into a VM and play with it and, and whatnot and see what works and what doesn't. And we will look at it in the future, but for right now, consider it beta, consider it buggy. We'll uh, wax hopeful for the future of Shackbox, but uh, for the moment, it's uh, definitely a work in progress. Yeah, I'll see if I can give that a try. The only, well, not the only downside to it, but one of the downsides I can see if it's, if it's so big, uh, a lot of Linux users tend to like Linux because they're more compact distributions. They run on older machines. If you have an older machine, this could probably slow it down a lot. Very much so. So, uh, word to the wise. Indeed, word to the wise. It is based on Ubuntu 12.04, so older machines are definitely not going to be able to handle this distro. I mean, uh, you know, just based Symbola on what Symbola says that uh, there's more than 150 apps for radio operators ready out of the box. So, there you go. Something for everyone. I think there were more than 150 antenna modelers. Forget the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> so... Anyway, uh, good. I would consider it good news and, and uh, something positive for Shackbox. No, it's a so, good thing for sure. I think that's about all I have to say about that. And I'm I'm sure that you didn't get a chance to look at it because I just threw it in there, and I, I really didn't have a chance to look at it myself. But you know, there's something there anyway. 
Yeah, no, I'll check it out, definitely. I uh, just bookmarked it. Right, and we will talk about it in a future episode, especially if something continues to happen with it, for sure. If we, if we can manage to install it, we'll talk about it. Yeah, that's right. Well, of course, you can run it as a live CD, you know. And when you're talking about a virtual and she, uh, machine environment, a live CD is very much like an installed version, so... Um, yeah, it's just a little bit slower for sure, but yeah, absolutely. It does everything you want it to. Right. So with that, I believe we have come to the a rapid end to the second segment. We have a whole crap load of feedback to talk about, so we will get to that after the music. And uh, since I pitched Pete's second selection into the trash, I will talk about my second selection. Or my... Well, that's okay. You haven't had a selection in a while, so I welcome your selection. Oh, well, thank you very much for welcoming my selection. I feel welcome. Top 40 uh, Radio. Um, I've, I found this uh, track five minutes before the show. I'm not really sure how good it is. It sounded good to <laughs> me. Of research. Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> it sounded good to me Take on first listen. <laughs> it sounded good to me on first listen. We'll, we'll find out if it's, it holds up to a second listen right now. Uh, it's a track called Lost by a guy named Keith Heimrichs, and I assume this is all done digitally. It's just one guy with um, a synthesizer and a bunch of, you know, uh, loops and processors and stuff like that, putting together what sounds like a band, because that kind of is what it sounded like to me. But it actually sounded kind of interesting. This is a little, this is kind of grungy to go along with the first track, a little more towards the metal side than the first track, than sort of straight up grunge. Uh, but it sounded good to me, and we'll give it a shot here. Again, it's called Lost Keith Heimrichs from the album So Far Away, of course, courtesy of Gemendo, which is where I found it. We'll listen to it and we'll discuss on the other side. Thank you. 
wasn't bad. I enjoyed that. But. Doesn't remind me of anything. <laughs> which is, you know, it's Jamendo, so new music, it's good. Right. It didn't really remind me of anything specific either, which is kind of good. It means that the person actually has a style of their own and isn't, you know, imitating Pearl Jam, for example. Yeah, for example. <laughs> you mentioned it was a one-man band, which I, I respect a lot when one guy does everything. Cause it, that's that's an assumption on my part. That's an oh, assumption on my part. No, no, no. I was, I was guessing. Because we, we play Brad Sucks a lot, and he's a one-man band, and he does quite well for himself, you know. Yeah, I don't know for a fact that he was a one-man band. It just, I mean, the drum track really sounded like it was digital, so I kind of assumed probably... Be using electronic drums? Ex- ex- well, that that's very true, yes. But uh, Jonathan Colton, who is also an amazing singer and songwriter, is also a one-man band, or can be a one-man band when he so chooses. It's kind of hard to pick those that are not actually, like, complete ensemble. I don't know. If, if that's not the case, and if for some reason that Mr. Heinrichs is actually listening to the show, which I'm sure he isn't, uh, he can... He is. Oh, well, <laughs> yes, that's right. We're playing his music. Uh, then he may uh, chastise me, you know, appropriately. Now you gave him a good review. Yes, I actually like the song. All right, so we need to get to some feedback, and I'll go ahead and do the first one here. We had a comment from Adrian, Yankee, Oscar, 8, Romeo, Zulu, Zulu. How is that for a cool call sign? Oh, come on. Speak that's up. Cool. That's cool. Sorry, my mic was muted. <laughs> Stop awesome. muting your mic, God damn it! <laughs> Yo, 8, RZZ. Yes, Yankee, Oscar. We don't get comments from Yankee Oscars a whole lot, so this is pretty cool. Uh, but Adrian says, hi, you were wondering about Q Radio Predict and Flight Gear. This is something we talked about five episodes ago, obviously, because it was episode number 117. And it was funny because after the episode where we were talking about this, about Q Radio Predict and Flight Gear, I kept going on and on about Flight Gear, but I wasn't talking about Flight Gear. Do you remember this? No. No, you don't yes, remember yes, it. Yes, I do. <laughs> of course I do. Yeah, but I was going on and on about how cool Flight Gear app was yeah. as an application, but I wasn't talking it about Flight cool. Gear. I was talking about Flight Radar, which is a totally different thing. No, no but we, we've talked about Flight Gear, too, though. We have talked about Flight Gear. It's a, it's a flight simulator, but it's a Linux flight simulator, and a really cool one, too. I, I used to play it uh, several years ago. I haven't touched it in a while. But anyway, all the time I was gushing about Flight Gear, I was actually thinking thinking i was talking about flight radar yeah, <laughs> right okay. which is something also we would, very cool right which is also very cool but it's a completely different thing uh but anyway apparently q radio predict can integrate with flight gear which we did mention even though i was talking about the wrong thing and he says well i can provide a partial answer a specific branch of flight gear is designed to provide a real-time radio propagation simulation so if you have an aircraft or object somewhere in the flight gear world and a VHF or UHF radio station close by, Flight Gear can provide you with signal information and type of propagation almost real time. So you can simulate VOR stations, ATC communication, ILS signals, as well as general radio. Uh, this, of course, is all about piloting aircraft uh, and different kinds of navigation techniques based on radio beacons and so on. Uh, you can find information about this at wiki.flightgear.org stroke radio underscore propagation. And uh, the first R in radio underscore propagation is capitalized. That link, of course, will be in the show notes, as these links always are, regardless of how late they show up there, Harrison. Come on, leave the kid alone. (laughs) I'm sorry. I have to bust his nuts every (laughs) once in a while. 
don't know if he's in there. I haven't seen a comment. He said hi earlier, but I haven't seen like one comment from him. So I think he's doing something else. Yeah, he probably his winter field day this weekend. Probably went to bed or something. Anyway, uh, so people who really want a realistic experience when they're talking about their flight simulators and actually want to get ham radio involved, this is something that sounds pretty cool. And I want to say thank you, Adrian, for posting that comment on our website. And thank you for being a YO call who actually listens to this program. That, to me, is just freaking cool. Yeah, from so. Romania, indeed. Yeah, yeah, no, I wasn't aware that uh, that uh, Flight Gear did all this uh, uh, radio stuff. I mean, the VOR, ATC, and ILS, that's all completely... It's radio signals, but completely uh, aircraft-related, of course, uh, but the general radio signals as well, so I think that's neat. You could, play, you could play ham radio as well as fly an airplane all at the same time from the comfort of your shack. I know it's awesome, isn't it? It really is. And flight and flight radar twenty four is also very awesome. Runs on it's cross platform. Runs on everything, including mobile devices. And if you haven't tried that out, try it out. It's excellent. I'll let you go ahead and tackle the next one. All right, comment from uh, last episode one twenty one. Uh, Brian W B four E S Whiskey Bravo for Esco Sierra. Uh, Writes in, the BeagleBone Black contains a lot more GPIO capability than the Raspberry Pi, uh, roughly eight times as much, as well as more of other kinds of uh, additional input outputs. Uh, not having more than a vague idea of, of how the RPI FM transmitter hack works, I don't know if it can be done on the BeagleBone Black or not. Basically, it depends on whether you want lots of I.O. or great graphic support as to which one is more suited to your needs. The RPI also has more flexibility with video and audio outputs out of the box. So, yeah, I mean, you know, they're not full-out computers, so, yeah, you have to pick and choose uh, what works best for you. And, and I think it's nice that there's a little bit of a, a variety, and they're not all the same. And we com- people keep comparing the BeagleBone to the Raspberry Pi, to this and to that, uh, to the Arduino. Um, but why compare them? They each have their own uses, and I know people who use each one of them, and everybody loves what they're doing with their device. So uh, I think it's, uh, you know, it's very well put when he says uh, you got to pick the one that's most suited to your needs. So uh, way to go, Brian. Yeah, absolutely. And this was in reference to a comment I made that I wasn't sure that the BeagleBone Black actually had GPIO access. And apparently it does. Apparently it actually has more GPIO access than the, than the Raspberry Pi. But as we'll uh, learn in the next comment, it apparently doesn't or can't do everything that the Pi does. But before we move on, I'll say thanks, Brian, Whiskey Bravo for Echo Sierra, Esco Sierra for your comment. Um, before we move on to the comment from Dave, uh, this was actually a comment from Dave Middleton, which I'm not sure if that's um, M0DCM or not. It might be, but I didn't look this up. So Dave, if you're not MZ, yeah, ESCO, <laughs> if you're not ESCO M0DCM, feel free to berate me in a future feedback. He says the Raspberry Pi exposes one of the BCM 2835's programmable clocks. The BCM 2835's is one of the chips in the Raspberry Pi on uh, GPIO 4. The BeagleBone Black needs to connect to an external programmable clock to do the same thing. This, this is a pretty esoteric comment, and I'm not sure if it references the ability to use the Raspberry Pi 
as an FM transmitter, which is what we were talking about in the last episode, or not. I think it. I think it must because I'm sure you have to have some sort of uh, proper clocking source to properly modulate a transmission uh, based on the chip. But this is probably way over the head of most of the people we're talking to. So um, it's over my head. <laughs> So I'm just going to say thanks for the comment, Dave, whether you're M0 DCM or some other Dave. You know, thanks for your comment on the Raspberry Pi. I think I think this is a great topic, and and the Pies and the BeagleBone Blacks and all the various single-board computers are great topics. I just don't know how deep we want to get into them because a lot of our listeners are not really developers or people who are into hardware hacking and stuff like that. So yeah, we'll, it doesn't matter. You got to mention it once in a while for the few who are. That's true, and we did, and I will leave it out there for those people who are interested and who know what we actually just said. Uh, and for the rest of you, we'll go on to uh, Mike Aiello's comment, and and Pete will take care of that. <laughs> <laughs> since since Excellent. Mike is Pete's friend. Yeah, Mike is everybody's friend. I don't see Mike in the text box tonight, so he must be busy doing something else. But uh, uh, before I stick my foot in it, no, I don't see him there. Anyways, uh, Mike, uh, November 2 Hotel Tango Tango, who's uh, quite active in the chat room usually and who has been uh, playing uh, extensively with, uh, with, with Linux lately and uh, has given us some good feedback. Also has a, a Linux blog. You guys can check him out. I think it's n2htt.net, but I have to look that up. Uh, he says, uh, hi, guys. I've been trying to become a yearly subscriber uh, to the show via PayPal. But when I try to donate via the link on the lhspodcast.info page, I get to PayPal and get this error. Quote, the link you have used to enter the PayPal system is invalid. Please review the link and try again. So bad link. Uh, the top of the page shows the email address, uh, donations at lhspodcast.org. I have attached a screenshot of the error page. Please let me know how I can become a yearly subscriber. Thanks. Signed, Mike Aiello, N2HTT. And uh, Russ, I'm guessing that uh, he, has, he, has, he has had his problem solved because he's now a member. That is correct. He did have his problem solved. And this problem, I have to say, Pete, was because of you. It was your fault entirely. <laughs> me? I have no... I no, no. My drink. <laughs> you mean me? I, I don't even have any administrative privileges anywhere. How I know, but me? it's entirely logical because just wait till I get to the reason why this okay, is your okay. fault. Okay, okay, I will listen. Um, what happened time. was um, we had a lot of messages that come from PayPal into uh, the general Linux in the Hamshack mailbox um, because we have a lot of interaction with PayPal with our listeners and stuff who subscribe and all that kind of thing. Well, a few weeks ago, Pete emailed me and said, hey, could you stop sending me all this crap from PayPal? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Carry on. <laughs> and I said, yes, I can do that. I can stop sending you all this crap from PayPal. I will just change the email address associated with PayPal so it's not the sort of global one that we both get into one that is just one that I get. And I did that, and, of course, it broke every link that I was using for PayPal. So in that <laughs> All right, I'll accept that. So I still I, don't want to see all your PayPal stuff. That's right, and now you no longer do. So <laughs> I got that fixed. I updated oh, all funny. the links uh, for the subscription info and all that kind of thing. 
And uh, Mike was subsequently able to subscribe to the program, and we'll get to that in our donations and subscriptions, which comes up next. So, yes, it's all been taken care of. Thanks, Mike, for pointing out the problem and the fact that I didn't get everything updated. And by all means, blame Pete because it was, in fact, his fault. And I've just explained why. So, But did Mike was Mike the first one to have had this problem? I'm not sure if don't? he's the first one to have the problem, but he's certainly the first one to report it. Right, so I wonder how many subscribers we don't have now. All of you guys, come back. It works now. I know, yes, it works. If you want to subscribe, please do. And we have uh, information. Oh, you know what? I didn't put, did I not put the thing in about No, I didn't. What the hell am I doing? Oh, no, I did. We just skipped over it. We went right to feedback. I guess we need to jump back to announcements unless you have something to say about Mike. Nope. All right. Mike. All right, well, that was the end of the feedback, but I do need to jump back to the announcements that I skipped over somehow. All right, we did. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Right under segment three. Did we miss that? Yeah, I'm not sure, but we did jump over it. So a couple of quick announcements. We are still running our Indiegogo campaign to get to Hamvention 2014. The campaign is going very, very well. Uh, right now we have 30 days to go, which means we're about halfway in, and we have a uh, achieved about half of our goal. We are at 420 of the $1,100 we need in order to show up at Hamvention. So thank you all who have donated. We really appreciate it. And what's surprising me most of all is that one of the levels, the $125 level, where we will interview the, the donor on a future episode of Linux in the Hamshack seems to be the most popular one. We have had, uh, I'm only offering four of those. And two of them have already been snatched up. Wow. I know. It's, it's really is surprising. Is Stephen Hawking one of them? He is not that I'm aware of, <laughs> unless he's using a pseudonym. Yeah, maybe. So I, I would like to encourage everybody to please donate if you can. You know, a dollar works, two dollars works. But if you donate a minimum of five dollars, you will get some sort of reward. Uh, just go to the, the Indiegogo page at igg.me stroke at, that's A-T, Stroke LHS 2014 and uh, check out what we're offering there if you donate to our campaign. And if we reach our $1,100 goal by February 20th, we will be at the Hamvention and we'll be doing all kinds of great, cool things there, educational things and all kinds of stuff. Wild and crazy stuff. That's right. We are wild and crazy guys. (laughs) So uh, we would really like to get there again. Uh, this would be our fifth year at Hamvention, and it will be a hell of a lot of fun. Please, if you have five or ten dollars or twenty dollars, or you know, check out the different perk levels we have over there at that site. Please donate if you can. There's thirty days left, so there's plenty of time, and we really appreciate it. And of course, um, we will let everybody know who the donors are, you know, in the future. And we really appreciate you guys. Um, this has worked every year so far for the last four years, so I have no reason to suspect that the fifth year will be any different. It's really fantastic. I, I can't thank our listeners enough. You guys are great. Yeah, no, that's very cool. We have uh, great listeners, and um, I'm actually uh, very excited about that total. That's very good. Yep. I mean, it, it gives me hope for the future. It's excellent. <laughs> and I can't wait. I honestly cannot wait to interview those folks who have paid for the interviews. So the rest of you guys have to get us over the $1,100 goal so we can actually interview these people because that's going to be the most fun I think we've ever had on this show. It's it's going to be a blast. Are we announcing who they are? Not yet, no, not, not yet. Not until we okay. succeed because if this, right. the way this is structured is if we do not reach our goal, then everything goes away and nothing happened. It's like, it's like nothing ever happened 
and there will be no interviews. There'll be no nothing. There'll be no hamvention. Well, there will be hamvention. We, we just won't be there. Yeah, we're canceling hamvention. <laughs> That's right. That power. No, I think I think if we don't reach our goal, we should keep the money and go drinking and interview those people when we're drunk. That would be cool. We might have to do that anyway, but we'll <laughs> we'll, we'll leave that for. We yeah. don't get drunk. Maybe you don't. <laughs> <laughs> not very often anymore let me tell you my body can't handle it like it used to you're younger than i am aren't you no i guess you're a little older than i am aren't you i'm ancient yeah whatever <laughs> <laughs> my facebook page says i'm 108 and you act it too sometimes you old curmudgeon <laughs> <laughs> i'm 49 uh, but i can't drink like when i was 20 well, i'm 44 and i still drink like i was 20 anyway <laughs> it just hurts more in the morning though no actually i'm good all right. Okay. Good. Yep. Practice makes perfect after all. Absolutely. All right. So uh, we need to move on before I reveal too much. Uh, <laughs> so the last bit of announcements we have to make are about the Raspberry Pi contest. This contest ends at the end of this month, January 31st. We're done. Whatever entries we get are it. Uh, and just to remind everybody, uh, this is to give away a Raspberry Pi, a HDMI to DVI converter, and a USB power supply. So basically everything you need for your Raspberry Pi. Uh, it's about 40 bucks worth of stuff, and we're giving it away for free. And in order to enter, all you got to do is, A, either be a paid subscriber when we do the drawing, which will be next episode. Next episode on February 4th, episode number 123, we will be drawing for that Raspberry Pi. If you are a paid subscriber as of that date, you are automatically entered to win the Raspberry Pi. You need to do nothing else. If you're not a paid subscriber, all you got to do is one of two things. You can either leave us a voicemail uh, in which you say, I deserve a Raspberry Pi because dot, 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 fill in that blank on our voicemail line. For that, you will get one entry. Uh, if you're a subscriber, you'll get one entry. And if you do something creative like Michael Aiello did, who left us a voicemail that was, in fact, a haiku about the Raspberry Pi or some other creative thing where you reference the Raspberry Pi, whether it be the actual computing device or a pie or something else, like write a poem or create some origami that looks like a pie and send us a picture <laughs> or, you know, so, I don't know, you know, use your imagination, whatever it is, oh, you will. Origami. Um, if you do something creative other than just leave us a voice feedback about, you know, why you deserve a Raspberry Pi, you will get two entries. Uh, we'll do a random drawing next episode and somebody is going to win a Raspberry Pi. So that'll be a very cool thing. And I think that's about all we need to say about that. I'm pretty much done with announcements. We're done with feedback. So Cheryl, who's probably been sleeping in the background, can now do our long list of various social media roundup type stuff. Yay. 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 It's funny how every every episode it comes out to, yay. And um. Speaking of that, last weekend we saw Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Oh, I love that movie. That's one of my all-time favorites. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we that, saw it. That was one of the things we did as part of my three-part birthday party. Oh, so. nice. We saw, saw it on the big screen as part of a Midnight Madness type screening, and there's that part about them eating Robin's minstrels, and everybody goes, yay! <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, oh, no, it's, it's so many good lines from that. What? You've already got one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anyways, we can go on forever. And so, probably will after the show. All right. Well, I'm taking a 60 second break while you guys start with this. Okay. 
To start out the evening, we have our donations and subscriptions for this month. And in that list is Bill Arcand, which signed up for monthly. Gary Oots, which signed up for monthly. Bill Hyatt was monthly. Bob Yerke was yearly. Michael Aiello was yearly. And Charles Hailbronner was yearly. Our social media roundup. Nobody signed up on Facebook. Uh, Google Plus was Grunge Monkey. Michael Edwards. Uh, <laughs> what <do you> <laughs> uh, Gian Paolo. Pilo. I, I have oh, come no... Come on, go for the first name. You can go for it, Pete. Yeah, it's it's, it's something like... Uh, <laughs> okay, let's try it again. Yeah, that's... <laughs> Gianpaolo. So it, it almost sounds like something from the Netherlands with the last right. name from Italy. I'm right. not sure. I'm, we're really, really sorry for massacring your name. <laughs> and Kihong Sun, I believe, is probably somewhat close. Uh, those are our Google Plus people. Twitter was David Croft, Mark Wall, Dan Tinnock, Mark Strait, Pat Tice which apparently is the co-founder of BetterNet Electronics, Kevin Thornton, Colin Thompson, Russell Brierly, Roger Baxter, Dan Grady, Martin Butler, which is a co-host of the ICQ podcast, and Mark Nielsen. Yeah, and, uh, I, I saw that. Martin Butler, uh, N1MRB. A lot of people know the ICQ podcast, of course. Uh, one of the uh, finer ham radio podcasts uh, around. And uh, I, uh, No, seriously, I listened to their podcast. I've been listening since the beginning, uh, since before uh, his, his son wasn't even licensed when they started. And they just kind of started as, as a podcast uh, that would kind of help his son along, something for them to do together. And he's sin, since been licensed. But uh, it's one of the uh, well-researched ones and, and and they've always got a lot of interesting topics uh, to talk about. So, and, and I've heard Martin hint in the past um, uh, talking about other podcasts that he's listened to and being involved with this one. I knew he was talking about this one, uh, and he didn't always mention it in the beginning. And uh, so we're glad to have you aboard, Martin. Uh, that's very cool. So uh, thanks for being there, and, and uh, thanks for the, uh, uh, the follow on Twitter. Carry on. All right. Nobody signed up for the mailing list. Uh, nobody bought any Cafe Press or Printfection uh, products. So everybody needs to get out there and buy some stuff. And don't forget about the Hamvention Fund and the Raspberry Pi drawing. You know, you have just a few days to get that information taken yeah. care of. And I would suggest that if you're going to buy some uh, Printfection or Cafe Press stuff that you just do it through the Indiegogo campaign because that means you'll get your your t-shirt, your hat, your pen, your keychain or whatever and you'll be contributing to our Hamvention Fund at the same time, which is like truly awesome. Yeah, I'm actually Yay. kind of surprised that no yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of surprised that nobody has has, you know, nibbled on the um the thing where you take them out to dinner. Well, so, that that is a high level. I I mean, it honestly, is, yes, it is three hundred and fifty dollars. I I right. get that, but but as I, I made, think you should do that one, Cheryl. <laughs> get a free dinner uh, out of it. What I understand, it's my vehicle that's going to Dayton, which means I'm going to be driving to make sure that Russ doesn't get tagged. Yeah, for some, you know, get stopped for speeding and go or to something. jail. Right, <laughs> which means she gets dinner and drinks for free. So yeah, I get uh, she gets drinks anyways, for free. Yeah. Right. <laughs> 
and I wanted to make clear, as I did last time, I believe, um, that the the dinner and the dinner that we're going to take you to is not one of these like, you know, we're going to take you to McDonald's and you get a, a two dollar hamburger or something like that. This is actually like we're we'll, taking you to Denny's, high class. <laughs> yeah, high class, right? <laughs> no, we'll take you basically to a restaurant of your choice. We'll buy you dinner and drinks. I mean, we're talking the whole thing, and this is not like you know, friends with benefits, which we made clear last time. We're just talking about we will make sure that you enjoy the evening and that we all have a really good time. So. Uh, oh god you just <laughs> okay you know when you, when you need to be Mine's muted you're not and when you <laughs> i know it's a curse oh, come on that was funny it was funny especially with the pause at the end you just weren't sure where you were going with that you left yourself wide open i buddy. did oh, yeah, i left myself wide open oh god uh. oh that was even funny on that <laughs> yay yay Oh, no. All right. That's it for crying out loud. We're done. <laughs> if anybody's made it this far, you've, you've listened to the best part of the show, obviously. Thanks everybody for contributing to the show this week and for listening. It's been a, a total blast. I, I think I've had more fun on this particular episode than I've had on almost any one prior. It's good flow. This, yeah, it was. It's very good. Um, so Pete, I guess. Unless anyone has anything else to contribute to this show that we probably need to let you start the intro and rock and roll on out of here. Sounds good. Waiting for the music. <laughs> Waiting for the music. Oh, well, before we do that, let me say thank you, Cheryl, for being here and for doing, uh, you know, the stuff that you do. You're welcome. Uh, always good to have you on the show. You know, and if you uh, actually become a ham radio operator someday, you may be able to contribute, you know, to the rest of the show, too. She can still contribute. Well, you're no, she, you, you're welcome everything. to contribute any time. You just tend to not say anything. So I, I pointed out the whole Rapid City thing earlier. No, that's very true. Yeah. You told us where we were wrong. That's what a woman does, right? When when their well, man so is maybe, wrong, it's maybe like, stop, stop. You're gonna get yourself in trouble. <laughs> maybe maybe we need to maybe we need to include her more because we just tend to ramble on as guys do, and we don't stop and say, "So Cheryl, what do you think?" That's so true. Cheryl, I don't. I, what do I, you think? I guess I wasn't clear that I was encouraging her to chime in whenever possible. But if I wasn't, then I'm saying that now. Oh, okay. All right. Cool. Good. Well, well uh, I'll, I'll make an effort. Okay. Well, next next episode is going to be really be cool. Good partner. Because we got lots of voice feedback, and we're going to have entries for the Raspberry Pi thing, and and uh, we may even have. I tell you what, if we if this interview happens that I have lined up for episode number one hundred and twenty three, this is going to be the episode of the millennium. You are going to want to be here for this. Uh, I'm actually I don't even know who it is. So no, you don't know who it is. Uh, he is no, a ham radio operator, and he is no, no, nobody knows who's this. I'm the only person of the three of us who knows who this person is. But honestly, he is he is a ham radio operator, a licensed ham, and he is one of the most enigmatic and funny people that I know, that I know personally. And if he shows up on the show, it is going to be the best episode of this program ever, and you are not going to want to miss it. So with that... And this person lives in Europe. No, this person lives in the United States. Oh, 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 gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So... I'm, I must be confusing something with some, with something else you said earlier. Yeah, you, um, I've, I've talked about this person before, like to you, but it's it's not who you think it is, but... I, I'm really hoping this happens because it, it will be a blast. It honestly will. So okay. um, with that, with that tease, we're going to leave you. <laughs> and Pete's going to lead us out. Go ahead, Pete. 
All right. Yeah, uh, just start, start so, talking. <laughs> start talking. Start talking. I was talking. You All right. me. All right. Sorry. All right. Let's start over. And scene. Please check out our website, httplhspodcast.info, where you can become an ambassador. Visit the website for upcoming events and information. I'm looking at it right now uh, on how you could represent Linux in a ham shot at a nearby LinuxCon or ham radio event. You can email us, of course, info at lhspodcast.info. Leave us, leave us a voicemail, 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's easy to remember. 1-909-547-7469. All hate mail is routed, routed excuse me, to our good friend Harrison. That's hate mail at lhspodcast.info, which Harrison doesn't get, so that's a good thing. You can subscribe to the mailing list, of course, on the website. Uh, as uh, Cheryl was mentioning before, please go to Cafe Press and Printfection. Buy some of our show merchandise. Each of your purchases will help out the show. Uh, you can help the show by uh, clicking on a sponsored ad as well. If you don't want to buy, you could just go check out the stuff, tell your friends about it, and click on the sponsored ads at the right-hand side of the homepage. Every time you click, uh, we get a small percentage uh, uh, come back to us in our kitty, so that's always good. So that's uh, www.cafepress.com slash podcast as well as www.printfection.com slash podcast. Uh, listen to us live every other Tuesday at 8 p.m. Central Time. That's Wednesday, 0200 Zulu. Uh, recording schedule and countdown timer for the next episode is on the homepage of the website, so you don't have to miss us. Thanks to all of our listeners live in Quasi Live. I'm Pete, Victor Echo 2, X-Ray Papalima, south of Montreal, cold, cold Montreal, saying thanks, everyone. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Uh, take it away, Russ. All right, this is Russ, K5TUX. And uh, you can find me on all the social networks out there as J.R. Woodman or K5TUX at 73s.org. You have been listening to the fabulous episode number 122 of Linux in the Ham Shack. And we hope to catch you all in the next uh, 14 days for episode number 123, where we do a lot of cool stuff and uh, you don't want to miss it. So live from Between the Peaks with Cheryl and Pete. This is Russ, K5TUX, from the forests, between the peaks, on top of the hills in north-central Arkansas, saying goodnight from Linux in the Ham Shack. We'll catch you soon. Bye-bye. Didn't play with that lizard, you're going to go blind.